0: now for our feature presentation. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Botching It Up podcast. Every bruise, bump, and botch, wrestling you've been put on notice. Uh, Let's get ready to ramble!
1: What's up? This is the Botching Up Podcast, and today we're talking Royal Rumble 1990. This is part one of our 90s saga. This is going to take us forever. As always, you have me, Benito, and my good friend Basil.
0: Beefcake, when I'm through with you, your ribs might not grow back the right way.
1: Dude, they're getting better and better each week.
0: Thank you very much. No problem.
1: So yeah, we are going to do... We're starting in the first month... Of 1990, Royal Rumble in January, and we're going to do all of the pay-per-views throughout the 90s.
0: How how long do you think we're last, Ben, honestly?
1: I, I reckon we're going to get to 92, and then we're going to be like, let's just, let's just do something in
0: 2006. I mean, 100%. And it, we'll just skip uh, 10, 15 years and go straight to M- MVP versus Kane in an Inferno match.
1: Yeah, well, so let's not ruin... This saga before we even start it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'm enjoying it so far. I've seen two. I quite enjoyed them.
1: Yeah. So today we're going to talk about Royal Rumble 1990, which is the third official Royal Rumble. Uh, you'll know this better than me, but it's the fourth one because there's an unofficial one, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, so I don't quote me exactly, but I'm pretty sure they had a Royal Rumble house show, which was Pat Patson's idea. and. Ja- um, Oh, what was his name? One Man Gang won it, I think. Right. And it was it was such a a great uh, thought backstage. They enjoyed it so much. They thought there's money in this, and then they had their inaugural one. So they did a, a an unofficial Royal Rumble yeah. at some point on a house show. So
1: officially, this is the third ever Royal Rumble. Um, yeah. So the fans in attendance kind of know the gist of what's going on. Uh, so this was held in Orlando, Florida, in the Orlando Arena to sixteen thousand people. I said months ago on a different show that we watched, but don't you always feel that when you watch these older shows, the crowds look bigger than they are?
0: There is something about the atmosphere or the vibe or the layout, maybe, of the venue, which just makes it like a, a, a big money event. And, and it, it kind of uh, it has got a very similar crowd layout to a boxing match, which I think maybe is the thing that's adding the aesthetic and momentum to show how big the crowd actually looks when it's yeah i don't know what it is about 1990s uh,
1: venues but they just always look better than nowadays we
0: we we, on another episode with on the next episode we'll be discussing clash of champions 10 that had three thousand people and it still looked bigger than most shows these days so i just wanted to say that very happy with all of these facts that we're including, and it was held on the, the 21st of January 1990.
1: There we go. We open the show with Vince in his most growly alpha voice possible, listing off all the participants that are going to be in the Royal Rumble match tonight, and there are some absolute legends in this. Everyone from the late 80s, 90s is in this match, really, for WWF.
0: There's some, there's some, even some dream moments in the actual match itself. I really miss Vince McMahon doing his own voiceovers. And yeah, it was crazy. Show. It was cool. I didn't think it'd list all thirty. Yeah, it went
1: on for for a minute.
0: <laughs> like th- these days, they'd try to hide the Boogeyman or Santino Marella surprise entries. They wouldn't. No,
1: wouldn't Vince was it. trying to get the jobbers over just as much.
0: Yeah, yeah the Red Rooster. Broke. And then we
1: get into um, ringside, and Tony Schiavone is on commentary. That woke me up. I got well excited for this.
0: I actually had no idea he ever worked for the WWF. I thought he was like a sting, like he'd never, ever been to the dark side before, which is why I assumed he worked uh, MLW, AEW, WCW, just refused to go to the big evil Titan Towers.
1: It was a crazy weekend of wrestling for me because, like you said, we're going to do Clash next, and JR is calling that show. I was like, this is totally backwards.
0: Where are we? Yeah, what's, what's going, going on here? in 1990? Some great some great hosts as well, like you had Jim Cornette in the in the WCW show. Here you had Jesse Ventura wearing Mickey Mouse ears and a polo Mickey sweater.
1: Oh, going on and on about the fact that he'd just come from Space Mountain and he'd just gone to Disneyland.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's also a great moment where he asks if uh, Brutus the Barber Beefcake cuts his own hair because it looks terrible. This guy is literally got no hair with a rat's tail <laughs> in the back.
1: And he rips into Giovanni like the entire night, which I guess is the whole point we, of the the heel color guy. So apparently
0: Ventura was the first person to come up with the heel commentator. That's why he oh, really? made so much money and, and, and how Vince just allowed him to do whatever he wanted. It wasn't really thought of before. See,
1: that. I would have acclaimed that um, to uh, Bobby Heenan.
0: You'd think, but Heenan didn't uh, commentate for another couple of years. But what's interesting to me here is actually the face heel dynamic in the matches and the way that Ventura responds to them. Because a lot of the time, the faces were very heelish. By calling it out, Ventura actually sounds like he's making sense, like he sounds like the logical dude when he's trying to be a heel and uh, talking about how the faces are cheating or something. Well, they are, you know, and... I find it really interesting that the crowd is so hot. They know exactly who's the good guy, even though in the match you can't necessarily tell.
1: We almost have that problem today really, don't we? It's a yeah, very, same very thing. similar situation. So let's get into this this opening match of the night and um the crowd were hot. They were crazy going into this first match and by the time that this match ended, there was crickets. Not a great opening contest to kick off A hot crowd. Yeah.
0: and I mean, I can't believe how over the bushwhackers were. People were going mental when they stomped their legs a little bit. And uh, as you said, the crowd was so hot, they milked the crowd for like five minutes. Do you even blame them? Raymond Rougeau and the other Rougeau, they look like actual decent workers. Uh, I I, I didn't check anything out with them, but they look like easily they can work. This looked like a, a walk in the park for them to the point where I think the bearded Rougeau looked seriously hungover he was probably like oh i'm working the bushwhackers like, oh, I, <laughs> he doesn't need you know. to be 100 percent. it's fine uh, yeah yeah it's clear that they were talented um so a very easy day at work for them a lot of biting wow
1: the bushwhackers not just the biting a lot of licking and did you so the bushwhackers yeah. win, end up winning the match did you notice on their way out they licked children's foreheads
0: <laughs> yeah that was their gimmick man and, and people loved it They
1: even in the 90s that's got to be weird
0: yeah, well, I mean, not as weird as Norman the Lunatic, but that's a different show for a different time. I
1: suppose this is this is 30
0: years ago. There's some weird stuff in 1990.
1: I just, I'm, it's just weird how the Bushwhackers are even a thing, never mind being over.
0: This is what I think of, along with several other matches on this card, this is what I think of when I think of 1990 WWF wrestling. It's all posturing, it's all pantomime, it's all parading around the ring and poses... And the crowd loves it because this is aimed squarely at six to seven-year-olds who just wants to see larger-than-life characters, which is... It
1: just wants to be licked by a bushwhacker.
0: Yeah. Which is step one as to why I think if we were in this period of time, we would definitely be watching other products.
1: We'd definitely be on WCW.
0: And that made me that made me think. So apart from, for you, I would say from the dawn of the Attitude era to, what, 2006, 2007? For me, from 2001 to 2006, 2007, give or take those periods in which we were kind of WWE hardcore, it pretty much the entirety of the rest of our lives, we have spent on varying sides of indie promotions or smaller promotions. We're just not WWE people.
1: We've always been in favor of the second company, whatever the second company has been.
0: Yeah, but I mean, it, it just it only just dawned on me that the amount of WWE television that we've consumed over the years, yeah. despite the fact that we've always sought out other promotions. Like when when the whole Big Bang started again, I went straight looking for MLW and NWA. You went straight to AEW. We were so excited that we didn't have to watch WWE. And I feel like we've been doing that since we were standing in a playground talking about the existence of TNA.
1: Yep. Yeah. Very true, and Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor holds a special place in my heart. I don't watch them week in, week out, but how excited I got when that first show after quarantine was on. Like, I sent it to you, and I was like, you need to watch it right now today.
0: After watching that uh, EC3 promo, I I really need to recheck that show out. I watched the first episode and loved it. I need to catch up with it.
1: Ring of Honor is kind of like the gold standard of indie level, you know? Like, slightly below where TNA was and where AEW is. Yeah, I think Impact are aiming to be higher than that. Ring of Honor have always sat on that level, and I think they always will be. They're not even going to try to be bigger than what they are. Well,
0: Impact might finally make it with Who Shot Johnny Bravo.
1: That's that's the storyline to get them national exposure. Look at sure. this
0: man. We're, we're look like five minutes in, we've already gone off track. We're all... <laughs> right back on track.
1: So we're as lost with Royal Rumble as the crowd currently are. So they send it back to Mean Gene. He's backstage with Ted DiBiase and Virgil. DiBiase is pissed off that he's got the number one pick and for some reason he's blaming it on Virgil. And I just love all the, every interview I ever see that Mean Gene really is mean. He really rubs it in. You
0: he, know? Yeah, he's he savage DiBiase. He, he <laughs> took the piss out of him so much. Virgil was just looking at his nails. Um, it, weird promo. All of the promos tonight were a little bit weird. Some of them were completely nonsensical. Some of them were like obviously dudes on cocaine just strange 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 ways to build a story throughout this
1: i think this whole show was a bit weird i think maybe because it was only the third rumble they didn't really know what kind of beast they were contending with and i don't think it's really until the late 90s that they really nailed down a perfect rumble show because it's a one match show it always has been even now and back then like you said like all the matches are completely all over the place
0: Also, the Rumble made no sense back then. It was just literally 30 dudes in a ring because your champion won it. It wasn't for a championship opportunity. It was just one big old battle royal.
1: No, it was an achievement in itself, wasn't it? Yeah. It was meant to be.
0: Like the Saudi Cup now. Yeah.
1: So after that, we're straight back into the ring with the Genius versus Brutus the Beefcake. And uh, Brutus the Beefcake is huge, man. People love him.
0: Yeah, he is, he is roided as well. He is jacked and he is over. Uh, probably because his best mate is Hogan, which is how he survived through a 30-year career. Yeah,
1: because he hasn't got much else going on.
0: I thought the genius was great. I, I've never seen the genius wrestle. I know it's um, Ronnie Savage's brother, Lanny Poffo. Uh, I, I just always assumed he was a manager, and apparently this is one of his few matches, and I have no idea why. He's, he was incredibly charismatic, uh, his his kicks and his punches looked great. His offense was really, really tight. I just I didn't really get why this guy wasn't used as a permanent wrestler, really.
1: He actually even controls pretty much 90% of the match. And then Brutus yeah. Beefcakes just gets a reversal here and there, and the crowd goes crazy for the reversal.
0: Brutus' finisher is a sleeper hold, and the crowd still pops mental over it.
1: Yeah. So I, I think the genius plays a perfect heel here. And I was listening to... I get confused because I basically listen to Jr. and Shivani's podcast at the same time, and right now with them being commentators on the wrong shows, I'm <laughs> confused who said what. But anyway, one of them said that the the genius was um, really popular backstage, and they were really at this point trying to push and make him big. So, like you said, it's weird that he just we don't see much of him.
0: It's a bit of a shame, really, because uh, apparently they picked him up, it, WCW picked him up, and put him on the contract, probably because of Savage. Uh, and he he said in an interview he literally got paid four to five years and never got got called up for TV. He he sat on his paycheck for half a decade and never appeared on TV, never did anything, which is just it, it sums up WCW in that era and Eric Bischoff really like they literally forgot he was on the book. Well, they
1: did that with a lot of guys, didn't they? WCW.
0: Yeah, but I mean, he it, it just it just quite a, kind of a sad career really because. Uh, this guy had so much talent, he was like, more than able to do all sorts of different things in, in a heelish Shit manner. Shit gimmick,
1: think. though. The genius.
0: Oh, definitely. But he, I mean, again, he did his best with it, and he, he sort of made something out of it, which was entertaining.
1: So. He starts the match off reciting a poem. A really bad sure. one. <laughs> yes, yeah, so bad. So, so bad. You can tell like, he's not even 100% into this poem. He himself doesn't think it's,
0: it's great. <laughs> Yeah. What was it with the uh, wrestlers in 1990? There's two things which really kind of weirded me out looking with 21st century eyes. The first one is this move that they go to over and over again, which is a punch to the gut for like a full flip.
1: Oh, yeah, they punch him in the gut and then the, the guy taking it flips over onto his back.
0: Yeah, and they did it in three matches. Yeah. I'm so glad that's gone. That's a, such a weird, shitty Young Bucks thing to do.
1: Is it that the punch has so much force behind it that it just sends the guy into the air?
0: Oh, I, I mean, I guess. Is so, that the force? I, I guess a lot of wrestlers have a lot of uh, force in their punches then, because That's... this was a very, very common move amongst the locker room of WWF uh, that... 1990.
1: That feels very Popeye.
0: Yeah, you know? yeah. It
1: doesn't feel very. I mean, you never saw Mike Tyson do a flip after taking a gut punch
0: oh dude i was i listened to a tiny little bit of bruce pritchard talking about rumble 90 and i turned it off because he was telling conrad that wwf created pay-per-view and sold more pay-per-views than mike tyson and conrad's conrad's just like dead silent because it's like obvious bullshit but pritchard's saying over and over again yeah wwe created the pay-per-view market and outsold mike tyson pay-per-views two to one
1: that's crazy. That's not true at all.
0: That's a maybe, true... maybe,
1: maybe the Manias. Maybe the Manias did as well as Tyson. That's, a, that's a real
0: pig's fly statement. There's no way that's true.
1: To give them any credit, I guess WWF bought pay-per-view in for the wrestling industry. But they didn't invent it.
0: No, they didn't invent it. And they. they I refuse to believe that they made more money from it than boxing. But there you go. Another thing I found a little bit weird, which is quite prevalent in old wrestling it was prevalent over the first two shows of 1990 we watched they're in a submission move and they're frustrated or they feel pain and they keep banging the mat with their hand and then the crowd's like getting confused because they think they've tapped out and the ref goes (laughs) he has to keep like uh going no 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 they're just angry you know (laughs) I i did why why was that a thing
1: I feel like that's something um, wrestlers even today get told off for doing. Because you see them sometimes, they bang the mat, and then they have to stop themselves doing it a third time. Yeah. I see that a lot. Who does that Like Kevin Owens does that. And then there's other guys that do it as well.
0: Probably Sammy. Fuck yeah,
1: Sammy. The, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I love Sammy. I don't know why I said that.
0: So this was a, c- a clusterfuck finish. Yeah, Mr.
1: Perfect runs out.
0: In a beautiful singlet, by the way. That was a wonderful Mr. Perfect singlet. So
1: Mr. Perfect ran out to help the genius it ends in a DQ and then they start fighting over the shears. This is the beginning of an angle and it was just was cold out of nowhere. And then what happened in the rumble was the climax.
0: Um, not a, not a good way to start an angle. The, the, the perfect, I love Mr. Perfect, but Mr. Perfect's stuff on this show was not great from, from the promo to the feud to his rumble entrance. It was, it was bad stuff. Brutus got royally screwed by the man here. Like, this is a different universe. Hebner wakes up just in time to, like, call the disqualification. And then three refs run down to stop Perfect from beating up Brutus. Like, where were these three refs? And then there was a double disqualification. Yeah, I'm
1: not sure why it was a double disqualification. that's not fair, is it? I
0: guess because Brutus, the barber, beefcake, (laughs) barbered.
1: It's in the name. It was going to happen.
0: Exactly. Why no, Why are they giving this man such a hard time? He
1: did try to cut the guy's hair mid-match as well.
0: He did it really it was, brutally as well.
1: It was very weird. Uh yeah a bad no, I, buzz cut. Uh, yeah, I just looked up the WrestleMania card. So this is the start of Mr. Perfect's uh, Brutus Beefcake feud, and they're going to have a match at Mania. Mr. Perfect gets into it with Hogan, is it, in the Rumble, and that's the climax of their current feud.
0: Did so, we actually get a Dusty Rhodes-Ronnie Savage blow-off on that show? On Mania? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that Mm -hmm. was leading up to. So that's an actual Mania match, Dusty Rhodes versus Randy Savage.
1: Yeah, it's a mixed match with the women that are on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So We'll get there in a second, because that's a whole load of something else.
0: That's something, something.
1: We're backstage with Sean Mooney, and he's talking to Bobby Heenan and the tag champions, uh, Andre the Giant and Haku, with Rick Rude. This is a stable, and they're just all arguing over their numbers.
0: Haku... Was atrociously blocked out by the commentator here. Yeah, this was, well, and, was and Andre. It was amateur hour. This camera shot. I don't know. It, it wasn't up to WWF's par, even in 1990. This was pretty bad. And again, another bad, convoluted, weird, screaming promo. Not nothing made. None of these promos made sense throughout the show.
1: So I think really all these promos are just um, arguing or talking about their numbers. It's all just building up the concept of the Rumble. Okay. Because it's still new. It's only the third one. It's still new. Then we get, for me, match of the night, a submission match, Greg Hammer Valentine with Jimmy Hart versus Rugged Ronnie Garvin. And I only call it my match of the night because I've never seen Garvin before and this guy nailed it. This was my awesome. match
0: of the night as well. It's clear from the outset that these two were seen as the workhorses of the WWF as opposed to the superstars because they were the first and last guys on this pay-per-view to not get an entrance. It was um, sort of booked in a different way. It it felt like an actual competition. and I mean, this thing, way more than anything else on the show, felt like NWA. This felt like an actual match.
1: It did. It felt like a real contest, and they hated each other. And they had a really cool story that they were both trying to finish each other off with the figure-four leg lock, but they were both wearing, like, footballer shin pads right so this is what i'm so talking about this is four didn't this
0: is where uh this is what i'm saying where who's the face and who's the heel here because greg valentine is obviously right, So i
1: think valentine's meant to be the heel, right
0: but then why is he booed for uh finally getting the figure four on ronnie garvin without his cheating leg brace on that surely that's the cheat he's the cheat ronnie garvin he's uh, he's put on a fake leg brace because he doesn't want to take the figure four like a man right right yeah Uh, shivani says at one point here that he can see looks of concern on greg valentine's face i've literally never seen any emotion on greg valentine's face (laughs) at all brilliant this went hard this went fast man
1: yeah i didn't even realize just back to the shin i didn't even realize he was wearing one during the first figure four leg lock they didn't really tell i assume there's a whole story going into this match that's been on tv or whatever so yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the fans know something that we don't at, at this point but Garvin just no-sells the figure four and I thought he just completely Hulk Hogan's out of it.
0: A couple of people Hulk Hogan out of this on this show I mean uh, Brutus Beefcake hardly sold any of the geniuses shit it seemed like a pretty egotistical roster but mm. the, the big the big story of the match right was Valentine finally getting the proper figure four on Garvin without the leg brace Yeah. So, psychologically, that's a face working to take the heel down from his cheating tactics and get him on a level base with him.
1: Yeah, but Valentine was wearing the shin guards as well.
0: But he was supposedly injured, whereas Garvin was just wearing one. Right, okay. I don't know. I just thought the face heel dynamic was pretty weird here. Um, I really enjoyed the match. It was quite aggressive. But, I mean... The, the first time they went for a pinfall, I was like, right, well he's forgot. Then they did it again and again, <laughs> and I thought, oh, maybe maybe this is a work. Maybe like they're trying to. I thought maybe this is actually pretty clever. They're trying to rem- make the crowd remember that this is a submission yeah, match.
1: I thought the same.
0: thing. Thirteen pinfalls later, bro, they they have quite clearly forgotten because they would just go. They were going like in pure heat moments, like um, near win moments, going for the pinfall. You can see Ronnie Garvin like. Slapping himself inside his head, just over and it really kind of annoyed me after a while. I
1: think even the referee was getting pissed off because he just kept like (laughs) tapping the guy on the shoulder, like just come on, get up.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there there was a lot of messy spots here, but. There was a sense of dislike genuinely emanating between the two, which I thought really added to the effectiveness.
1: Oh, yeah, they went hard. I don't know if they were just selling really well, they're good sellers, or whether there was actually some real distaste there.
0: It felt, it felt a little bit like there was a little bit of distaste there for each other. Was a
1: submission ma- the idea of a submission match quite new in 1990, or were these two just not clued in with what was going on?
0: I think it was um, probably semi-regular on the independent... Well, I say independent, but it was all territories back yeah. then. The, the, non, the non-New the York market, right. I would say. And I, I think at this point, Garvin and Valentine have been in the WWF for a good couple of years. So I think, honestly, they just keep forgetting because they're so used to working the formulaic house shows. And I, I highly doubt that they were usually given this much time to do uh, a good match in the WWF. So I think there was a little bit of nerves going on there as well. They went for their usual heat spots, their usual uh, spots that they popped a crowd or added to the drama and then realized that those spots couldn't be used. Yeah. I think it was genuine, just genuine mistakes. Fair enough, fair enough.
1: Right, so every time that we watch a 90s show, usually half the card I've heard of but not seen matches in or I haven't seen much of them. So I'd never heard of Ronnie Garvin. And just like the other WCW stuff we've watched, I kind of pick a guy every show and I go down a bit of a wormhole looking into this guy. So I've got a few fun facts about Ronnie Garvin for you.
0: I love a good fun fact.
1: So he is the stepfather of Jimmy Garvin, who's a member of the Freebirds, but there's only a seven year age difference. Rasslin' yeah that's some redneck right there (laughs) so his career didn't last much longer than 1990 unfortunately in WWF and then he went on to the independents and he kind of did a few bits that I could see on his Wikipedia at least um, all the way up until 2000s and then his very last match on just some shitty local show was in a battle royale and who but Viscera eliminated him from that battle royale (laughs) and that was his retirement match
0: do you, do you think uh, Vissera said, oh, thank you for the opportunity, pal, like, this <laughs> this, is, this is such a fucking legacy that you're leaving behind, I'm so honoured to be throwing you over the top rope tonight. I
1: don't think so, I think Vissera is a bigger star than this guy, unfortunately. But uh, That's
0: really sad, actually. Yeah, he, he, Did it's he... a shame, because I watched this
1: match, I was like, oh, this guy must have done some great things, probably in WCW, that's why I've never heard of him, and... Not really, he, his career didn't... Did he
0: ever go to another promotion after WWF, like another big one? No
1: big ones, he did. A, he jumped around a lot of territories for the last couple of years while that was still a thing, and then that, that's it.
0: That's unfortunate, I, I really enjoyed his work in this match and I really like Valentine as well, obviously Valentine's got a long and storied career, I thought Ronnie Garvin would have at least done like a, a lot of stuff on uh, an AWA show or something, That's that, that's sad. I also learned from you that he's not Dino Bravo. Who was assassinated? Yeah, no, it's not those, that guy. Those two, those two look similar. Fair enough. Yeah, good match. Three and a half star.
1: And then, where are we?
0: An awful Mr. Perfect promo.
1: Yeah, Mean Gene again with Mr. Perfect.
0: He said that he had beat up Beefcake because of winning. Because he wins, he's a winner. That's why he beats up Beefcake. I find it really weird actually to um criticize Mr. Perfect because I've liked pretty much everything I've ever seen him do, but. Poor performance on this show from him.
1: So Giovanni said that this pretty much came out of nowhere, this new feud that was going to go into Mania. So I think maybe Perfect's just taking off gardens, working with some shitty material.
0: Yeah, it feels like he might have been given a disservice, definitely. Plus, I mean, do people really want to work with Beefcake?
1: I've not seen much of Beefcake stuff, to be honest.
0: He's not great, man. He's... He spent his entire career following Hogan around he's been involved in some dreadful gimmicks he he was part he was like a black scorpion or something like he, he wore a mask and faced Hogan at Starcade 94 he's always just kind of hung around right and he always gets put into at least the mid card just like the nasty boys in CH like, yeah here's the like,
1: thing I always thought he was one half of the nasty boys <laughs> <But> I, <laughs> I know now I'm completely wrong about that
0: well I but... guess Hogan has a facial type for his friends. Nice. And then
1: uh Baba the Love Sponge. Y- yeah. I basically thought all three of those guys was just one guy that's best <laughs> friends with Hogan. But no, there's three different people. So after that, we're back in the ring with Brother Love. Oh god Oh my god. I couldn't hear a fucking thing he <laughs> said. Like, could you make out what you were
0: saying? Not really. Uh, this is one of those moments that I would tell you about every week where uh, my girlfriend looks over the TV and then regrets that she she did. She's just like, there are limits to her accepting stuff in wrestling. Like, brother love was, was one of them. She yeah. just looked at me and she's like, what the fuck is wrong with the guy's face? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> That's red face paint, I guess? And she's like, but why? What's the... <laughs> also am i the only person that can't see brother love as a a comedy character he looks fucking terrifying could you imagine him like running at you in the dark narrow hallway breathing heavily
1: was this meant to be comedy i think so this was not comedy
0: i wanted to ask you i forgot to look it up before the podcast do you know why brother love was created as a gimmick because i'm really interested to find out what what the hell this was
1: i don't know no
0: it's definitely fascinating. I just I don't understand why it exists. Well, he's a,
1: so he's a southern preacher, right? Yeah. That's what's going on here. And
0: his face is red because he's always out of breath. Cause he's about to have a coronary <laughs> heart attack. And he's, he's sh- shouting too much. But, I mean, don't you find this guy really scary? Like, really creepy? I found him annoying. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he is
1: creepy. I give you that. I give you that. <laughs> I
0: thought he was creepier than The Undertaker, dude. He shouts a lot about sensational Sherry turning up. He calls Sapphire fat about 40 times.
1: Sapphire comes out. So him and Sherry are like throwing trash on her. I don't even know why Sapphire even bothered coming to the ring. Just don't even give the bullies the time of day, right?
0: Yeah. But
1: she comes out and then she stands there and just takes this abuse for really too long. It feels like a Vince thing. This was
0: definitely a Vince thing. This is where it doesn't matter how many years have passed. This whole thing is bad blood booking to make Vince pop and embarrass certain individuals and um, sort of just bully them because, I mean, for some reason to do with his ego. Like, we all know why Dusty Rhodes was put with Sapphire. It's because Vince McMahon thought Sapphire was unattractive and he wanted to embarrass Dusty Rhodes. We all know why Dusty Rhodes had a a polka dot design, which was very unflattering on him. It's because, again, uh, Vince McMahon didn't like Dusty Rhodes because he was the most successful person in wrestling outside of WWF.
1: I assume Dusty Rhodes didn't get any control of the booking in WWF.
0: Oh, de- definitely not. No, th- this whole thing mm. definitely 100% stinks of Dusty Rhodes taking the money.
1: Yeah, yeah, but my, my point being is that Vince is one-upping him. He's saying, yeah, you're a good booker, but look what I can do. And just trash, it's his momentum.
0: And what I love the most about this is Dusty Rhodes is made to grind Sapphire and wear polka dots that make him look really fat. And he's still over like a rover, dude. Yeah, when he, the crowd loves it. Vince would probably got really pissed off because when he came down for that Rumble, rumble, he was the third biggest pop of the match.
1: Yeah, so during this segment, at least, he runs out. Again, massive pop. I mean, the the crowd, other than the submission match, which was pretty good, the crowd has been worn out by dire shit this whole show. And then uh, Matchman comes out. He's obviously heel right now and then attacks Dusty and they brew. This is... I think ongoing, not the start. This is ongoing on their feud that leads up to Mania with a a mixed uh, tag match with Sapphire and uh, Queen Sherry.
0: Right. So in the future, as in now, right, I'm sitting down with you and I say, right, we need to create this angle. And you say, okay, who's the angle with? And I say, Randy Savage and Dusty Rhodes. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do with it? Do you think you would have come out with this?
1: absolutely not just <laughs> just throw both men on the mic and let them let them have full control over it
0: oh it was bad L- both... this is bad yeah. considering the two involved and it, i know Sh- sherry's a fantastic manager as well this was just i oh i turned the show off you know i turned the show off this is this was my break for the day
1: no um, i did as well i'm with yeah. you I, I after watching this i was like i don't want to watch this right now i never want to see brother love ever again and i feel bad for dusty I that didn't. Feel, man, I, honestly.
0: I I I started looking up Brother Love segments because I just found him such a, a alien character. Like he did something to my psyche. He fucked me up. Like <laughs> <laughs> I, I really want to see like you know Brother Love with like chicken grease running down his his shirt, like just chasing some teenagers with a hatchet or something. You know, I, I can book that. <laughs> Bruce Pritchard's still going. I'll send him the idea.
1: Well, I think this is towards the end of his run as Brother Love. I think it's like this he, year um, or next year, it's over.
0: Yeah. So, did you know he was the first manager of the Undertaker? Oh, really? Yeah. He was. was he was with the. He brought the Undertaker in as uh, Brother storyline. Love. Yes. That's weird. Yeah. Really weird. That's right. Very weird. Um. So the Undertaker was originally something completely different.
1: Yeah. That doesn't click at all. That's. Completely out. Oh well. So yeah. we're backstage again uh, with Jim Duggan, and he—it's a Jim Duggan interview. Uh, there's nothing to say.
0: He he fucks up saying approach three times, and I hope I, he never hears this because he'd beat the shit out of me. But he literally says, "I'll see you eye to eye" while being cross-eyed. Oh, <laughs> 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 I mean, it's uh, not not just not the right choice of words, really, for, for, for good old Jim. Anyway, Big Boss Man versus Jim Duggan.
1: Right, and if the crowd wasn't already dead enough, let's just throw this piece of shit at him. Uh, the only redeeming hey, factor of this entire thing is Boss Man actually does an enziguri. I didn't even know he had it man, in. Man,
0: you, you really didn't like this show, did you? Um,
1: I actually did, but for the wrong reasons. I was laughing at it, not with it. Yeah,
0: same. Uh, you've got to give it to Boss Man for wrestling pretty much his entire career in a shirt and trousers.
1: Oh, yeah, but did you see how much he sweat in this match?
0: Yeah, so like, bad.
1: I'm not blaming him. Like you said, he's got a lot of heavy clothing on there.
0: Also, I don't want to nitpick the storylines, man, but would you expect a guy hailing from the Department of Corrections as having a manager called Slick?
1: <laughs> I d- I, Boss man, has always confused me as why this has been a successful gimmick.
0: Cause definitely I, I agree with you like in every single iteration right up to the ministry days I, I don't really get it
1: and I think a lot of people say it wasn't successful and maybe not ever as his push but he lasted the longevity of the character years
0: yeah 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 I mean he's one of the few guys that um, worked in early 90s and then somehow got his way into an attitude gimmick mm. also, also I, I assume Jim Duggan's music was taken away due to copyright on the network. There was no music yeah, when he came out. I was going
1: to ask about that.
0: I I don't know for sure, but I I actually, if it wasn't the the idea of having a patriot carrying an Amer- American flag coming out purely to the crowd reaction, that's that's pretty cool. It's a good idea.
1: Yeah, it felt special when he walked out with no music because he screamed because you could hear him doing his hey ho. Oh! Mm-hmm. So it, and... it did seem pretty cool. Do you reckon it's just that he has the national anthem as Yeah, his? but why would they
0: edit that out? That's, that's a really weird thing to edit out.
1: No, like maybe they were using a copy of like some army or marching band or something and now they don't have the rights sure. to it. Sure,
0: like that does happen on the network quite a lot, actually. Uh, especially if you go into ECW, if you ever watch a Sandman match, it's not entered the Sandman. They can't be bothered to play for Metallica. Right.
1: Well, I mean, why would they it's, for yeah. something that...
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, another another fun thing I noticed in this match is when saw Jim Duggan pulls the ring drape, there's no opening. There's no, uh, I guess ladders and tables weren't needed for maintenance. There's no under the ring. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like a box. Well, weird.
1: That is weird. This era, they, they didn't... Well, ladders weren't even a thing at all yet, were they? Well, not until the
0: Shawn Michaels match. Yeah, definitely not. But you know, Tables? Yeah, I think uh, the, there had been a table or two used in um, smaller territories. But again, it's one of those things that Vince McMahon spent his entire career trying to get away from wrestling, right? He wants sports entertainment. He thinks wrestling is redneck and doesn't sell. And he might have a point to an extent. Gimmick matches, blood, tables and chairs. He didn't want anything to do with it. I'm pretty sure he was probably a little bit nervous by having a submission match. He, He just wasn't interested in those gimmick things because he related it to just trash Texas promotions. Which is why... And then he which,
1: invented the Royal Rumble.
0: <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, I, I guess that's another reason why he bullied guys like Dusty. you know?
1: Yeah, I suppose I get it. But there was an awful lot of chairs used in this one show.
0: It's true. Maybe the chair is allowed because it, it's, it's used for seating.
1: So the guys on the other podcast, they were saying that chairs still had somewhat of a, bit of a meaning at this point because they weren't overly used. So it was still kind of a shocking moment to see someone get hit by a chair. But then... On this show, there were, what, three matches had some sort of chair shot, either during the match or up immediately after. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's over usage in one show.
0: There's a lot of things that I'm I'm glad to have realised uh, have lasted thirty years, <laughs> like everybody picking on the big man in the rumble so that they can get him out. Yeah, that's been done every year apparently since 1990. Keeping it fresh. Uh... <laughs>
1: Yeah, so this is
0: a this is a bit of a nothing match. More brawling and big man moves exactly what you expect from WWF 1990.
1: So a DQ after Boss Man hits uh Hacksaw with a nightstick.
0: That's another DQ there.
1: Yeah. That's what I'm saying. This sh- this show is almost a nothing show. It's just the Royal Rumble.
0: Yeah, this is preposterous 1990 wrestling posing action by your action figures at your local convenience store. Uh, it's most normal, you know. I hope that feud went somewhere, did it? Not that I know of. Right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Jim Duggan versus Dino Bravo at WrestleMania. Uh, Big Boss Man versus Akeem, so
0: no. You need to watch that Dino Bravo uh, Dark Side of Wrestling documentary that's really, really cool. Well, interesting, uh, about Dino Bravo's mob ties and how his murder was never proven in, never understood who killed him. Or if he, like, there's ideas of him killing himself. Uh, but the, the door was unlocked and apparently he had been getting in deep heat with uh, Mob. And he was killed, I'm not sure, while on contract, but maybe just shortly after. He's got He's had a very interesting life himself.
1: So even while wrestling, he was involved with the Mob?
0: Yeah, I can't remember who it was. A, a guy in the locker room with him at the time kept telling him that he was getting too deep into this stuff. And he, he just obviously didn't listen. But isn't, okay. that's a really hushed up story. We get to one of my favorite Shivani lines. Uh, Shivani says, WrestleMania is on April the 1st this year. The Ventura says, Isn't April 1st April Fool's Day? And Shivani's like quick as that, says, Well, it was last year. This <laughs> year it's WrestleMania Day.
1: <laughs> yeah, I do. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Consummate salesman for. Thirty plus years, man. I
1: love Shivani. Oh I I just so adore good. him. Right we right now we're backstage again of Jimmy Hart. He's pumping up Earthquake and um that that Dino guy in the main in Mania. In in the Rumble.
0: This this thing gave me a headache. It did not end. I thought it was bad enough when Vince McMahon named all thirty contestants. We got promos from everyone. All of them.
1: All thirty. Half of the guys Jesus. I didn't even know who they were. So they didn't really need to. Talk. This
0: was, this was so painful, and like everybody was on fucking coke. <laughs> can you, can you imagine being part of this locker room? But it
1: was crazy. Oh, right, but...
0: can you imagine them at like a strip club
1: every every Jesus, night? Probably. Man.
0: There was one to, uh, after this Tuesday in Texas. I think Vince McMahon went to the strip club with the boys, <laughs> and took like uh, loads of their finishing moves. Uh... <laughs> in in the club and he was still cackling about it as they got like escorted out by the police
1: yeah i've heard that i've also heard that um Vince would do a lot of things to get people arrested and just laugh at them as uh, they're in the back of the cop car yeah yeah so <laughs> yeah so you're right so we get a promo with pretty much every single person that's in the rumble i thought uh when they did one two three i was like okay that's cool But it just kept going and going and going Half of these guys are very obviously seriously pumped on steroids. We got this one guy, the mighty oh, Her- Hercules, he's just unnaturally huge.
0: I don't think he should have been allowed to speak because he actually sounded like a southern preacher. It didn't suit the gimmick. Yeah. Um, Snooker has an aneurysm, pretty much.
1: A lot like, of them do. Just... <laughs> Did you feel just like <laughs> this after was... a little while, it was just like this is a lot of just big men screaming at me and not really saying anything?
0: Yeah, I mean, this was like a, a, pain, a pain commentary track over your day. This this really hurt my head, honestly. It went so long. It was like 10 minutes. What is the Akeem gimmick, man? So, so weird. He's, he's like continually moving. I don't know. I Why don't does he know. move so much? Know. Well, he looks happy to be there, at least. <laughs> and the very know.
1: last one is Hulk Hogan, of course. Could he be any more tanned and oiled up?
0: Oh my god, he looked amazing. So
1: oiled up, though, like you could literally see a reflection in his abs.
0: This was so it was so painfully clear the difference between Hogan and the entire rest of the roster. Like he his promo was exciting; it made sense. (laughs) The only
1: one that actually Um, made sense.
0: (laughs) The only one that made sense. It proved so easily that Hogan was the best in the game. And then
1: the closing line: You ready for this? What are you gonna do when Hulkamania rumbles? All over you. Oh,
0: nice. Sexy. Oh, do you reckon he said that in his sex tape?
1: Yeah, definitely did. I'm rumbling, brother. <laughs> <laughs> That's where my mind went anyway.
0: Oh, dirty. Right.
1: <laughs> so, the, just uh, the two feet rule isn't a thing yet, is it? Because there were some very questionable uh, eliminations in this rumble.
0: Yeah, this was... A couple
1: of guys got announced as being eliminated when they were still stood on the apron, not even when they were down gen- on the concrete.
0: Ted DiBiase T- started off with "Coco Be- Beware," and "Coco Beware" painted his head half red, half white. And th- I didn't—I'm not even just saying this for a joke on the podcast. I genuinely for, thought for a second that the white bit was bird shit from his <laughs> bird. <laughs> like just, <laughs> just poor choice of paint. I think fantastic. Really.
1: Fantastic. Um, yeah. so uh, DBS goes on to last the longest in this match which at this point was a record and they were yeah, really blown him over
0: apparently they they went on to break this pretty much every year until they finally settled on the guy that they actually wanted it but yeah DBS looking through this roster um, there's a couple of guys that should have won the big one that never did like I get that Jake Roberts never won it because he wasn't reliable enough obviously because apparently uh, Vince McMahon was super high on Jake Roberts for years and years, but he just well, he couldn't he, he couldn't be seen as somebody that could carry the title.
1: Is that any surprise? Because he comes out in number four and the crowd literally goes berserk. I, I think other than Hulk Hogan, he gets the loudest reaction of the entire thing.
0: Well, nearly. I, I'll get into that in a minute, but yeah, no, I mean, and it was something special as well, right? Even you felt it. When Jake came out, that mu- that really great music hit, and he's looking very, very serious, carrying a bag on his back. He, he looked like a superstar. He did. I can see the appeal. Yeah. Uh, but, the, I mean, Ted DiBiossi, Roddy Piper. Why did these guys never get a run, do you think? Yeah, Roddy, Pipe, Roddy Piper just,
1: equally got a massive pop.
0: Is it just the, the, the Hogan effect that these guys never got?
1: Yeah, t- it must be timing, because they're in the shadow of Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Randy Savage. I guess just... Struggle to get through that to the top of the card.
0: Yeah, I mean, there was a bit here where, an amazing bit, I'm not sure whether it was just as special back then, but there's a bit where the, the four guys in the ring, give or take Warlord, are DBOC, Savage, Jake Roberts, and Roddy, and they sort of go into an impromptu tag match with the faces versus their heels. Yeah, that was amazing. It was really exciting. Um, and one thing I'd noticed here is that um the four-way exchange the the big single stars tag matches never happened which made them super special when they did for a brief while in rumble or uh when they got to survivor series vince must be like pretty upset about how he spoiled the audience that he, he literally always needs to throw these tag matches in now because those four guys going against each other for those couple of minutes was really special
1: and you can feel that it feels special like it's a Definitely. moment that these guys are all just accidentally in the same ring at the same time. It's, a, it's something that um, New Japan do right now, and they actually manage to do a lot like what you're talking about, how Vince was doing back then, where you keep people separated for years and years and years, and then they accidentally cross paths, and it's just a real magical moment.
0: And this is the problem, I think, with current wrestling, and this is all umbrellas. This is not just WWE, this is AEW. This is every promotion. I don't know whether it's because they have too much content to fill, that they need to put uh, high-quality matches on every single week, that the crowd has changed, that the viewer has changed. But there is so much oversaturation of every single wrestler. I can't blame any of them for not getting over to the extent that they used to, because they have to wrestle every single Monday night or every single Wednesday night. And you get sick of the same guys, even if you love them. It's so rare now to regularly enjoy a guy every single week permanently like we do Cody or MJF because it takes something really, really special to manage to do that.
1: I mean, they were doing that back then, weren't they? Saying that they were wrestling that often, but I guess maybe not as much was televised back then as it is now.
0: Yeah, so if, I mean, it was, all, it was all house shows and the you had the Saturday night main event, which was the special event, which that's when you knew Hogan would be on the show and he would he would uh, face somebody else. Yeah. On the other shows, you'd get maybe like a Hogan promo. You'd have a main event of two guys that were known, and pretty much the entire rest of the show was a known guy versus a jobber. And that's literally how they sold TV.
1: And is it also that maybe matches don't go as long nowadays as they did back then, so there was less matches per card?
0: Yeah, that's definitely another great... Reason as to why this this whole thing feels oversaturated now. Something about just keeping a guy and not doing anything with him. Like I would, I would love it if if Roman just keeps doing promos from his office, and he just doesn't come out. And to an extent, MJF is pretty good at it. I don't know whether that's MJF himself or somebody planning that for him, but he comes out maybe once every two three weeks and what hasn't matched like once a month
1: i don't know with roman though like a modern audience i can't see that really working
0: and maybe that's why they they don't want to try it but i i still feel like it, it might add incredible amounts of... no but look 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 at the example why is, is brock so over yeah
1: true because we don't see him so often.
0: brock doesn't wrestle Raws. brock doesn't wrestle smackdowns he's t- he too so a... he feels
1: special when you do see him
0: yeah he's taken a, a note out of hogan's book basically
1: very true so I don't know how much you want to go through the entire Rumble because it's it, it's not like modern Rumbles where there's almost a set piece the entire time. It felt like when there was a big star in the ring, something happened and then in between hand, there was not a lot happening. The there was
0: a lot of, um, as we have seen in Royal Rumble history for pretty much its entirety, the, the, I love the bits when it slows down, they quietly start pushing each other against the ropes. Yeah. Like, in silence, <laughs> just, just just pushing each other. But i I got to say, this was more entertaining and fast-paced than a lot of modern rumbles, which I was very surprised by.
1: Yeah, it seems to be one of the more loved rumbles of all time.
0: Well, Conrad and Pritchard said this was their favourite wrestling show.
1: Their favourite wrestling show? Yeah. Ever?
0: Yeah. I assume it's nostalgia for different reasons for both.
1: Yeah, I, it must be, because... It was a good, it was a good rumble, but I don't think the undercard was anything to shout about.
0: So can we talk about the Hogan effect? Because yes, Warrior comes out and the place comes unglued. And you said Jake got the biggest. Uh... No, like the third biggest. Yeah, so the the writing was on the wall here. I I think Hogan was probably shitting himself because there are, there were very few decibel levels between the pop that Ultimate Warrior got and Hogan got. If anything, I feel like Ultimate Warrior actually edged it over Hogan.
1: Well, that's the thing, right? Warrior was so popular at this point, they wanted to give him the belts, but Hogan politicked himself to still be top dog. Yeah. That's the story of the mania anyway.
0: But, I mean, on top of Hogan politicking, I just also thought that the Warrior was really badly booked in this. Like, he almost immediately, after throwing a couple of guys around, gets lost in the shuffle with guys like Jim Neidhart, which absolutely should not be happening. Like, I've... I feel like Warrior should have been, had at least some form of story even if subtle running running throughout the rumble till Hogan turned out.
1: And the uh, what are the fake road warriors?
0: Oh demolition. Yeah, yeah. Action smash.
1: So one of those guys is in the ring at this point as well and he's getting far too much offense on Warrior and even Hogan when Hogan yeah. finally oh, gets him.
0: Right, so when Hogan that's this is the bit where it, it kind of gets completely screwed up. Hogan comes in and there's this really special moment when they finally clear the room between hogan and warrior yeah like the stare down it feels magnetic feels electric and then um i can't remember who it is barbarian i think yeah this really weird bit barbarian comes down and only i think hogan warrior in the ring he's beating them both up yeah like, the Barbarian is beating up Hogan and Warrior simultaneously, so, which was so, Hogan and, so weird. Hogan
1: and Warrior do, like, a double clothesline or shoulder barge into each other, and they're both laid out, which is weird in itself because it's it's obviously very faked because they haven't actually had that much... They're not, like, beating the shit out of, so they should get up from a clothesline. Then, Barbar- like you said, Barbarian comes in, and he's just dropping elbows on them, and it's like, what? This guy? Really? Why isn't Hogan then, Hoganing up, you know?
0: Well, I mean, just... Uh, the Barbarian beating up either of these guys would be one thing. Barbarian beating up both at the same time is quite something else. And obviously somebody in the back realised that because Rick Rude runs out before he's supposed to. There's no music, yeah, there's, there's no, no countdown. Count, there nothing. So obviously somebody in the back was like, you need to get out there because this is not uh, going well.
1: I didn't make that connection because I've, I've written down that Rick Rude jumps the gun just as a heelish thing, but it was to go save the match. You...
0: Yeah, pretty much. But I mean, again, like foresight, guys. You know, like what what happened here? Why did Hogan and Warrior just lay down for the Barbarian for like three or? Four I minutes? mean, why
1: did Hulk Hogan come out at number twenty five, and then Barbarian came out at twenty seven, and then the Mighty Hercules no at twenty nine? I like I know I hate it when like John Cena at Edge they come out at number thirty, and it's like oh of course. But like in yeah. this era, it makes sense surely that Hogan comes out at least like twenty eight or twenty nine, right?
0: It was just—it was just really weird. This bit—it was just really surreal. Like, I can't imagine. This is the equivalent of like Cena and Triple H laying down for Snitsky, yeah. Or whatever. You know, it's just—it's really in really. seconds strange. before
1: that, we get Shawn Michaels run out, and then he gets the um, he, he gets that spot where he lost. He got yeah, squashed. He, get, he gets the classic Rumble spot where you last less than a second. You're in, you're out straight he got away. Jobbed.
0: These are the good old days where Shawn Michaels got jobs by Warrior and said, "Yeah, thank you, sir." They're good old days before fucking Shawn Michaels got so egotistical that he couldn't have a match with Vader.
1: But Marty Giannetti got like thirty minutes in this match.
0: He was got a massive. Uh, yeah,
1: and Shawn Michaels was bam. You get that second. That second.
0: I assume Shawn Michaels had pissed somebody off backstage again. Just that was surprising <laughs>
1: for me that it wasn't the other way around. Shawn Michaels was in there uh, earlier on, lasted longer.
0: And Gianetti. I was actually surprised as well by how much of a mid-card dude Bret Hart was at this Oh, time. yeah, he
1: got nothing. He comes out at number uh, number eight, and I've almost got no notes about him. I don't even remember who eliminates him.
0: He's just a body in the ring here, which was strange. Yeah um still did you write down all the numbers as well yeah i did (laughs) why why did we both do that and know that we're not going to use it (laughs) let's
1: get to this ending because
0: right (sighs) right so um mr perfect comes out warrior gets eliminated really awkwardly yeah uh comes back and beats up some randomers and then runs out again full speed run. really awkwardly what what that was a really fucking weird way to push warrior.
1: Yeah, and he doesn't he doesn't even go for Hogan. I think it's barbarian and uh, Hercules he attacks.
0: He looked like an absolute loser. Here. Yeah, he got beaten fair and square by two mid card guys. Came back because he was upset about it. Beat them up, then left well, again because he had forgotten what well, he was doing. To your point,
1: because the commentary made very much a point about this. What you were saying about who is the heel who is the uh, face. So the two guys are trying to eliminate uh, Hogan, and Warrior actually makes the save and stops Hogan being eliminated. But then the reverse happens, and then Hogan comes in from behind and helps them eliminate Warrior. So Hogan is almost playing the heel here.
0: Yeah, and once again, Jesse Ventura calls it out. He said uh, Hogan's being a schmuck or whatever.
1: And then Siobhanie has to try and keep the uh, Hulkamania alive.
0: I'm not sure whether this was Hogan politicking, but it made absolutely no sense, and this was bad booking. Like considering Ultimate Warrior, according to Pritchard, had been booked in for WrestleMania six since the previous Survivor Series, this was a, an awful way of building the two up to to face against each other. And I, I'm sitting listening to podcasts and stuff, saying people were telling me this is this was fantastic, this was amazing, this was at- atrocious, this was a terrible way to treat Warrior. I'm I'm actually amazed that they had such a good blow-off, such a good match, and so many people were into it, considering that this was the first beginning seed of dissension between mm. the two.
1: In the moment, it's a big thing. But looking back at it, they barely... They had a five-minute moment, if that. And then Hogan well, started... most
0: of Well, most of the time that they were supposedly having a moment, they were getting beaten up by a mid-card guy.
1: I think it was that they were working together, because they're both meant to be faces, right? So they were working together, and then Hogan... Uh, backstabbed him that's the catalyst of this
0: thing it is quite interesting though because i can't really think of a match from this era in which a face face to face this is uh so maybe they were just a little bit confused as to how to like pull the trigger on this because they needed both hogan and warrior to be a face because of money um but they weren't really sure about how to go about putting the two together and creating a feud right
1: and then in the closing minutes, Hulk Hogan does what he does best. He's getting double teamed by Mr. Perfect and Rick Rude. I think it's Perfect, actually, that eliminates Rude, right? And then Hogan eliminates Perfect. And then, this was the
0: point where I kind of gave and up. And then
1: in the last... Well,
0: I wasn't paying attention. I stopped taking notes.
1: <laughs> and then the last couple of minutes of the pay-per-view it felt like way too long. Hogan is just posing in the ring with his theme tune. American flags come down. The classic Hulk Hogan closing of a show.
0: But yeah, he, he did this every single page. And it, and it lasts
1: um, a long time.
0: <laughs> yeah, a really long time. It just does not go off the air. I mean, what can I say? Hogan looked like an absolute beast So here. I think this was probably his physical peak. Yeah. But um, it was just business as usual, brother. Like, this is
1: definitely like mid-Hulkamania era.
0: I would say this is the beginning and the end, actually. Uh, but
1: it's still like full cylinders. Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, 100%. Like, but uh, yeah, no, as soon as I lost interest when the, the final four were like a bunch of guys that you could never see beat Hulk Hogan. The, 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 the only thing that if they're just, I don't know what happened with the Warrior here, but he, I mean, he should have, at the very least, he should have been in the final four and they should have done it then.
1: Well, Warrior and Hogan both got like two eliminations when they first came into the ring and then they were helping each other I generally thought that they were going to go through the last four or five guys and be the last two in the ring. And how amazing would that have been just to see them really destroy the upper mid card of the roster together and then have to face each other?
0: I like Hogan, man, but I, I can I can see why so many wrestlers talk shit about him because he just there's so many times that he ruined opportunities for so many people. Whether by accident or, accident or by force, can you imagine if Hogan wasn't in this match, and and Warrior won it, we'd see a different strain of history. There'd be a, yeah. a, like Warrior would not have had the patchy career and left that he did. He w- he would have been. They probably would have made another Hogan, which is what they tried to do later on when it was too late with Lex Luger. You know,
1: what is the mania where Hogan gets eliminated and then throws a, a tantrum and then helps Ric Flair eliminate someone?
0: I, think, I don't remember Ric Flair in it. Oh, right, he, maybe it's not Ric Flair, maybe it's someone else. Uh, Hogan goes to gets disqualified with Andre the Giant at WrestleMania 4.
1: No, 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 in a Rumble. So Hogan gets eliminated in a Rumble, and then he basically pulls on someone from outside of the ring to eliminate the person that eliminated him.
0: If it's Flair, it must be 92. Oh, okay. Um, because, it, well, I mean, Royal Rumble 92, is. I hope, really hope we actually get to that show, because that's a show that flair comes in at number one and wins the classic flair uh, rumble yeah 92 yeah
1: okay so overall what did you think of raw rumble 1990
0: overall i actually gave it five out of ten i i enjoyed myself while i was watching it i was a surprisingly fun show i learned that greg valentine versus ronnie garvin was great that i really liked the genius i thought the rumble up until hogan was uh, a really solid effort um, WWF in 1990 is not for me especially considering what we went on to watch next which I absolutely loved so overall I'm not upset that I, I saw it I'm glad that I've seen it and I watched it but it's not something I'd particularly be going back to
1: No, I can't imagine ever re-watching this again and like you said I had more fun with WCW, I think as wrestling fans in the era we would have been WCW fans easy
0: um, yeah e- even at our age even at like eight or whatever i think would be wcw
1: yeah so i know you're not a massive uh fan of Meltzer, but dave Meltzer is pretty much the only person i can find that was rating wrestling matches in the 1990s i might be wrong yeah there d- might be someone i think else i
0: over. saw these that some of them are really weird some of them are like crazy over the top
1: oh no no with this show he agrees with us um Oh, okay, he's given he's given the. It must have been
0: something else, some, Another rating I read.
1: He what well, he's given the submission match that we both like two stars and the Rumble three stars. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, sure, different... man. <laughs> obviously, that is in the time watching it back. you might say something completely different. But like in the moment, that was a good Rumble. That was a considered a pretty decent match.
0: I thought it was a good Rumble. I I I did up until um the warrior debacle
1: okay well yeah there we go so our next pod will be on wcw's is it clash of champions or night of champions it's clash
0: clash of champions, champions 10, 10
1: texas, texas shootout whoa there we go that's how excited we uh, are. which that.
0: i'm looking forward to i am looking forward to this stuff ben i'm i'm really whoa, 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 whoa wild thing <laughs> i'm really looking forward to it
1: Oh my god, that rap video! We'll save it for next yes. time. But...
0: Oh, wonderful!
1: So we're doing Clash, but we're not doing Superstars. That's correct.
0: That's uh, so Saturday
1: Night Main Event. That's the one. Sorry.
0: Well, we can if you want. It makes no sense. I don't. I don't, I don't want. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't necessarily want to, but there is one episode of the main event. I think in '92. So a little while from where we currently. Oh, we can are, watch
0: but... the we can watch the main event whenever you would like to watch the main event. Okay, so this this heats up proper after after the clash show this is where it truly gets uh pedal to the metal wcw versus wwf right like Like, share and and subscribe subscribe to keep keep it it botched up up, brother. brother